Dan. Hi, Katie. And welcome to Have You Ever Heard Of, a history podcast. Where we talk about people from history you may or may not have heard of. <laughs> Hi. Welcome to any house, everyone. <laughs> not that you're all just here, <laughs> but you know, I'm recording from my new flat, which is very exciting. I can vouch that it is, it is a lovely looking new house. From what I can see, I can just see walls. I can see like <laughs> you can see white wall and like some of a curtain, <laughs> and that's it. It'll be more exciting when you actually see it in person. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Woohoo! So, what's the most exciting thing that's happened to you this week? Uh, I went to the Victorian Albert Museum. Oh, on nice! Sunday. I love the V&A for an exhibition or just just, uh, just to peruse. It was uh, yeah, it was really good. Uh, I always, for some reason, had it in my head that the V&A was just like. A museum of like fashion but it's not no it, it does have a lot of fashion elements yeah so they had obviously the like they have big fashion they had the mary quant which was the one i went to and at the same time they had the was it dior the big one they had on uh, maybe uh at some point yeah a chanel Mm, yeah. one of those big ones yeah. I didn't see that one but I did see the American one um, but they also have like these like cool other exhibitions I've been to a video games one there yeah and stuff yeah and so it's not all fashion but it is partly and uh, yeah it's not like they're permanent exhibitions like the uh, the casts room is like incredible I remember going there when I was studying my BA in history, and um, we got to try on like Victorian outfits. Oh, nice! You know, with like the big hoops. Oh yeah, like hoop Sweet. skirts. Um, and it was like I was like, this is so heavy. <laughs> These people need to discover leggings <laughs> and a big jumper because that's what I wear most of the time. I love dressing up in museums, but you're not you're not allowed to do it anymore because of COVID. I went to the tank museum yeah. and I was going to dress up in like a little uniform, get the bow action rifle out again. Not allowed. Not allowed. Oh, baby. Ruined it. <laughs> Poor boy. <laughs> yeah, did you have to like book in advance to go to the museum? Yeah, VMA? we did, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I've to been out. to like the National Gallery and you have to wear, you know, like the face masks all the way around. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, and we're wearing face masks all the time as well. Um, so this week and last week and next week is the London Film Festival, and usually me and my friend Paul, who's a critic, will be going to loads. And I mean, he went to sixty films last year. Oh dear, um, uh, and I went to like five or six with him. And there's the red carpet, and there's the stars, and everybody's like queuing up, and you're like you know there's hundreds of people there like last year we watched Jojo Rabbit and like three seats in front of us was Amanda Iannucci and it was just brilliant this year it's all at the BFI and um it uh, you know everyone's wearing masks and you're sitting two seats away from everyone so it's like a third of the amount of people that would normally be in there no stars no like you know talks beforehand no red carpet so it's a very different experience but i did get to see um the new disney film soul yesterday oh cool which was amazing it was so cute it's kind of a bit like inside out so they had like the real world Mm -hmm. like jazz new york like a jazz musician teacher in New York. Yeah. And then they had the, the world of like everyone's souls. Okay. And it was kind of like inside out. You got yeah, these yeah. Little, like cute little blue people. And it was so adorable. And it was very like kind of live every day to its fullest message. Um, but amazing music. <laughs> um, what's the name of the guy from Nine Inch Nails? Trent Reznor. Yeah, Trent Reznor did the music for what? the Soul World. I love yeah. Trent Reznor. He's like and, one of my and heroes. And Joe Baptista did, um, uh, and like another guy from Nine Inch Nails was with him on it. And the Joe Joe Baptista did the the jazz, and it was just so good. Um, He's soundtracking yeah, we... quite a lot of stuff now, Trent. Trenty Reznor. Trenty. <laughs> Trendy boy, yeah. We were just we were saying like afterwards. Did you did you think what he was like in Nine Inch Nails? <laughs> like he was like, you know, what I'm gonna do one day Pixar. That's that's what I'm gonna be doing. He's like a um, proper musical genius, though. Like the first album, the first Nine Inch Nails album, which is one of those rare perfect albums. Uh, he just he wrote and performed everything on the album. I know. It's, I love <laughs> just them. Just part-time. Well, I was working in a studio, just used his like, spare time in the studio to like create the album. Oh, it's amazing. 
I love you. <laughs> Dan's face right now, guys. It's like see eating a, like a chocolate mousse or something. Um, and uh, before that, we saw on what day is it? On Monday, we saw um Supernova, which is Stanley Tucci and Colin Firth. They're in a relationship, and Stanley Tucci is slowly losing his memory to dementia, and it's about like their decisions that they make uh, and again that's another very like live every day to its fullest kind of yeah. style movie so that's kind of the theme we watched a couple of ones also online because they're doing a lot of them like you have to you like buy them and watch them mm-hmm. just at home um and so we watched a couple of those as well but yeah those are some highlights so far um and we've got one more coming up next uh, the weekend so that's a very different london film festival experience to the usual one but still films and and you know a lot of cinemas are closing so i'm glad that we actually got to go and see films yeah it's good that they could still do it in kind of like some form unlike the music festivals which uh Oh yeah! Do you remember back in the day, back in February, when we thought maybe Glastonbury (laughs) would still happen? No, babes. No. I've got to go to one next year to make up for all this. Um, something else I've done. I haven't done anything else. (laughs) Yeah, no, me neither. I feel like I should be doing more because clearly lockdown, like proper lockdown, is going to happen again soon. But oh yeah, that is something that you know should mention is the. The tier system. Oh yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we are in here in London. We're in tier one, right? Yeah. So we're like you can meet with six people from outside your household, um, and then pubs close at ten. Pubs and restaurants close at ten, um, and then there's tier two, which is you can't meet from. Wait, you can meet with one other household or something. You can be like in a bubble with one other household. Mm. Yeah, back to the whole bubble situation. Yeah, and then and then, like tier three is total lockdown. Yeah, and there's only like this Merseyside has gone into like total lockdown, yeah. haven't they? And then they, that's <clears throat> why they partied it up. They partied it up like it was <laughs> nineteen, like it was March. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot believe I went to say so my. I guess my brother-in-law or whatever you want to call him, Matt's brother. Um, he was 40 in January. I cannot believe I went to his like raging 40th birthday party <laughs> this year. Like, and Zoe's birthday that we both went to. Oh yeah, man. That was this year and that was a rager. Well, yeah, when abouts was that? What month? I'm not, yeah. That was in Fe- January as well. Yeah. Yeah. So... Yeah, just before I went there, I was in a packed pub in... Camden, um, it's just like a lifetime ago now. It is a different life, different lifetime. Yeah, fucking <laughs> sucks. But you know what doesn't suck? History. Um. So, have you ever heard of? And you will have heard of them, obviously. The Archduke Franz Ferdinand. Oh yeah, of course. <laughs> he wrote all those songs, right? He did, yeah. <laughs> like, uh, what's hang on? What is that? Name, name one Franz Ferdinand song. <laughs> Take Come me on. out. <laughs> there Take you go. Me out. <laughs> uh, yeah, that no. guy. No. <laughs> no. Disclaimer: doesn't know who we're talking about. <laughs> the band has nothing to do with the, the actual guy. We are talking about the. Uh, the man who who essentially set off uh, the chain of events that led to World War One. That chap. yeah, I mean yeah, obviously there is a lot of other stuff that goes into that. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, he's the guy that most people credit to. But yeah. I don't know anything about the his spark. life previous to him being the guy who's died World War One. Yep. So please enlighten me. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the thing. It's, it's actually quite interesting. Like, uh, considering the reason he was uh, he was shot and stuff, like his uh, positions on things and, uh, and the general person he was, it's quite interesting. But not many people know much about him. So I thought he might be a decent person to do. So, we'll start with the basics. He was born on December, uh, the 18th of December, 
1863 in Graz, Austria, uh, to Archduke Charles Louis, the brother of Emperor Franz Joseph, who was a ruler of the Austro-Hungarian Empire at the time, and Princess Maria Annunziata of Bourbon Two Sicilies. That's what a name is that? That's that's amazing, isn't it? That is a name. Bourbon that Two Sicilies. That is a name. I didn't know there were two Sicilies. This is news to me. <laughs> no, I don't think there are. <laughs> but she, according to her, there are. Uh, so this is basically the former kingdom in southern Italy. So I think like the two Sicilies are basically like the island of Sicily and the bottom of Italy. Because like Italy is okay. basically like two countries, isn't it? Really, it's like yeah. northern Italy and southern Italy. Yeah. Um. Also, yeah, Graz is a beautiful city as well. Like, uh, well, well, like um, researching him, I ended up just like, looking at Graz. Graz is like the second largest city in Austria and it looks incredible. I need to go Man. there when we're allowed to go places again. I'm going there. <laughs> I've I've been like through Austria in a car, but I've I do, I've never like been there as a single holiday, and I would love to. We went there while backpacking. Like we were only gonna go to like one place there, and then, we were only gonna go to Vienna. But like traveling through it by train, we we're like, my god, this is incredible! Like we have to stay here for longest. We just ended up going to like went to Vienna, Vienna, Innsbruck, um, uh, Innsbruck. Salzburg. Like yeah, it was incredible. So you know what Innsbruck is infamous for? Uh, what? It's escaping Nazis. Oh yeah, so they travelled yeah. like through Innsbruck to get to Italy. Yeah, but yeah, okay. it's lovely, beautiful, like lots <laughs> of mountain everywhere. hiking. It's awesome. Uh, anyway, so he was born into the House of Habsburg, who was uh, who had formerly ruled the Holy Roman Empire. Uh, and the Austrian Empire and the Spanish Empire over its uh, long and storied history. Um, so, yeah, a mega famous imperial line for history geeks, anyway. Yep. <laughs> like the Kardashians of the European. Of the <laughs> yeah, European that's history, exactly who they are. <laughs> or like the Baldwins, I don't know. Uh, I don't know, I don't do popular culture. Anyway, so... <laughs> uh, so at this point, they're only left with the Austro-Hungarian Empire. So this was a huge, archaic imperial structure that covered large parts of Central, Eastern, uh, and Eastern Europe and the Balkans. So Franz wasn't originally, originally supposed to inherit the empire. Franz Joseph had managed to sire a son, the Archduke Rudolf, uh, in 1858. However, Rudolf died in 1891 at the age of 31. So France had not been prepped for for the job from an early age. Uh, the young France, like all royalty at the time, suffered from ill health so much so that he was expect it was expected that his uh, younger brother Otto would be the one to take the throne, uh, which is said to have greatly embittered young France. Ironically, although France survived childhood, it would have it would have been Otto that succeeded France anyway had the empire survived the First World War. Which is it? <laughs> Spoiler. <laughs> <laughs> uh, despite being a sickly child, Franz took up a career in the military. Again, like all royalty, European royalty yeah. at the time. So he joined the military at the age of 12. 12. What? I know. 12. 12. That is weird, though, because like most royalty, even back to like early modern yeah. would have had a lot like a long education yeah yeah completely i, I don't know like what a, a royalty education so i don't know what he's doing yeah and i mean like i don't know what he's achieving in the military at 12 like when i was 12 i was play fighting with sticks so i mean like maybe that's maybe what that's what he, that's he was, what he was doing. doing yeah yeah <laughs> um <laughs> So being a high-ranking member of the ruling house, unsurprisingly, the young Franz was promoted quickly, reaching the rank of Major General at the age of 31. Um, yeah, I mean, like, so he must have been, like, like a captain at, like, the age of 15 or something. I mean, that's quite weird. Just a tiny child giving orders to grown men. Yeah, and everyone rolling their eyes, yeah. being like, fucking Franz, <laughs> Uh, so yeah, as mentioned before, uh, Archduke Rudolf, the original heir to the throne, died in 1891. So the young Rudolf was a romantic and a reformist with liberal ideas. However, these were stifled by his conservative father and the rift between the two finally drove the young heir to uh, commit suicide. 
So that's how he died. Harsh times. Harsh. Uh, so Fran's own father died from typhoid fever in 1896, after which he was groomed to inherit the throne. This meant coming under increasing control of the somewhat suffocating emperor. Hmm. Despite this, he did manage to have some fun and found time to travel and for personal pursuits. So he circumnavigated the world between 1892 and 1893, visiting India, uh, followed oh, by wow. hunting kangaroos and emus in Australia. Then he travelled ha- Hang on, hunting emus? Yeah. I'm sorry, the emus will eat you. I know, like, yeah. They are huge and they are vicious. <laughs> I guess that makes it a bit more of a challenge. And they're like the fastest land animal, aren't they, or something? Yeah. Kangaroos are pretty oh. hard as well. Like, they'll come Yeah, kangaroos are kick, also If they vicious. kick you, they'll tear your also, guts out. Also, koalas have chlamydia, so... Oh, yeah. <laughs> Australia, just avoid Australia at all costs. Yeah, basically everything there can kill you. Yeah, including the people that I know. That <laughs> uh, then he moved on to the New Hebrides, the Solomon Islands, New Guinea, Sarawak, Hong Kong... Oh, yeah. And Japan. Oh, yeah. Um, (laughs) And then he went on to Africa, where he hunted big game like a massive dick. Oh, no. Yeah. Fans. Not like giraffes and elephants, right? Oh, yeah. All of it. There's actually a picture, if you go online. I think it's on his Wikipedia page. I don't want to see that. There's him just with a massive elephant. Oh, God. I mean, mean, like, it was kind of like... The done thing at the time. However, his fondness for trophy hunting was excessive even by the standards of European nobility at this time. In his diary, he kept track of his kills, numbering 272,511 <gasps> game kills, 5,000 of which were deer, so the rest were probably like... Well, you could probably start putting that to get these sales. What? That is... That is ridiculous ridiculous yeah. like you it's... were going like 200 and i was like that's a lot and then you were like 200 000, and i was like what the fuck he's like single-handedly and... like responsible for like the extinction, the extinction of, like... of certain animals oh my gosh seriously it's, cra- it's crazy i mean some of them were probably like badgers yeah whatever but, but, a lot of but them still were. like some of them like probably big cats and yeah, oh, some of us are starting to think so maybe he deserved I, it. Yeah, <laughs> I started to wonder if maybe actually our war was necessary. <laughs> so, in 1894, Franz Ferdinand met Countess Sophia Chotek, and the couple quickly fell in love. However, Ooh. she was no more than a lowly lady in waiting. So, not the kind of stock that should be taking the Austro-Hungarian Empire into the future. Certainly not in the strict and arrogant Franz Joseph's opinion. So, to be eligible to marry a member of the Imperial House of Habsburg, one had to be a member of one of the reigning or formerly reigning dynasties of Europe. So as such, the family was dangerously inbred, even more so <laughs> than the rest of in the uh, of the inbred European monarchy. But the deeply in love, Franz Ferdinand refused to marry anyone else. Uh, so the two had to keep their relationship a secret. After the family was informed of the relationship, Emperor Franz Joseph refused to give his permission to the marriage. Eventually, several influential European leaders, including Pope Leo XIII, argued on behalf of the lovesick Franz, stating that the disagreement was undermining the stability of the monarchy. Uh, they had seen the same quarrelling and browbeating and inter- intimidation kill the Emperor's son. So they didn't really want to see that, see that happen again to the next heir. <laughs> uh, uh. So, Franz Joseph finally agreed on the condition that no descendants of Fran and his new, Franz and his new wife succeed to the throne. Neither would Sophie share her husband's rank, title, precedence or privileges. As such, she would not normally appear in public beside him she would not be allowed to ride in the royal carriage or sit in the royal box at theatres so that's pretty harsh wow she can't even like go to the nope. theatre with her husband to be honest I would have been like look mate I'm sorry it's not you're not worth it <laughs> yeah it's just like this is bullshit <laughs> yeah so like knowing these kids because kids when I've like finally turned onto the throne like it's crazy just I guess, I mean, like, surely when he died, he would have just been like, oh, I'm just going to overturn that. <laughs> so, regardless, the couple married on the 1st of July, 1900. 
so there you go. They did marry. Well, despite what um, obviously they did, but yeah. But I guess harsh. she she didn't have like rank and title, but I guess she would have money. Uh, yeah, she would. Yeah, yeah, and um, so, the palaces. But I mean, I like, guess she was in love and stuff. But the weird thing is, like, she wasn't allowed to like uh, run the like royal carriage or normally appear in public beside him, except she did appear in public beside him on the day he was shot. <laughs> yeah, so that's <laughs> spoilers, but yeah, yeah, that's uh, it's a bit it like sucks. <laughs> sort of law. Uh, okay, so next is um. I think it's probably worth speaking a little about the about the uh, Austro-Hungarian Empire before we go on. So, the empire was a polyglot empire, i.e., made up of people who each speak different languages. Um, as such, a varied tapestry of culture, history, religion, and tradition. So, not surprisingly, there was a lot of tension in the empire. However, it's said that, however much the different peoples of the Austro-Hungarian Empire might have hated each other, they hated the Habsburgs even more. <laughs> Over the years, there was increasing dissatisfaction with rule from Vienna and an increasing national consciousness on the part of the various nationalities and ethnicities of the empire. This was especially apparent early on in Hungary, where a liberal revolution uh, that ran from um, 1848 to 1849 required... Uh, the help from the Russians to put down. Uh, despite this, continued trouble and agitation led to the Austro-Hungarian Compromise of 1867. So this created a dual monarchy, giving Hungary much more freedom uh, in its own day-to-day running, albeit, uh, albeit remaining a subject kingdom of the Habsburg. So that's why the empire became the Austro-Hungarian Empire, as opposed to just the Austrian Empire. Oh. Uh Hungary was also to toe the line when it came to foreign policy and defence, both as a compromise and because many Hungarian elites recognised foreign affairs and defence were common to both Austria and Hungary, so they kind of like, the power kind of suited them. Mm. Uh, Although the Hungarians had been granted a compromise, the less powerful uh, constituent states did not. The empire was generally run from the centre by Austrian elites and, uh, and courtiers, and this was quickly becoming unacceptable. So, I mean, this was like a grow- a time of growing nationalistic sentiment anyway. So around this time you had like the formation of Germany and like Italy, uh, various like other kind of like events around Europe. So uh, Archduke Franz Ferdinand's public persona was cold, sharp-tongued and short-tempered. He was also rumoured to be insane due to the inbreeding of the Habsburg family. <laughs> Not surprising. All- I love that. It was also rumoured <laughs> to be insane. However... Franz Ferdinand did understand that the empire was disintegrating and thus that something needed to be done. So many of Franz's policies, uh, the ones he kind of like planned to, to put into action when he got, got in power anyway, uh, could be, especially for the time, uh, could be considered to be liberalising. So one proposal we put forward was changing the Austro-Hungarian um rule into a triple monarchy of Slavs, Germans and Hungarians, giving each an equal voice in government. However, this idea was unpopular with the ruling elite, so much so that it stokes doubts about Franz's uh, Franz's sanity. So basically they're just using the sanity thing to kind of like rule mm-hmm. overall anything they don't like. Oh, he's just mad. Yeah. Absolutely mad, isn't he? It's just like... Oh, yeah, that, just that's to... a good idea, but you're mad. So. <laughs> the other idea he came up with uh, was to uh, form a federal state, uh, federal like a to form a federal government uh, made up of sixteen states. So each state would have a great deal of autonomy when it came to internal affairs, but they would have to follow Austria when it came to defence and foreign policy. So each state would get the same, uh, like more or less, in terms of like autonomy as Hungary. So in many ways, this is based like based on the USA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It sounds very like, you know, how they have state-by-state laws and then they have the federal law. Yeah. So, I mean, like, so much so that it was basically supposed to be called the United States of Greater Austria. Um, But, yeah, despite the liberal flavour of all these ideas, many uh, historians uh, have an opposite view of the Archduke. If he had succeeded to the throne, he would have tried to replace the dual system by a supranational federation. So essentially, like this was to maintain the power of of the uh, of the Habsburgs, maintain his power, 
maintain like um, German domination over like the military power of the of the federalized states, but then to also give a certain amount of like autonomy to the different states. Uh, yeah, so essentially the aim of giving you the appearance of freedom while maintaining German Austrian dominance uh, in the military, which is where the real power lies. Others have emphasised his uh, dynastic centrism, his Catholic conservatism, and his tendency to clash with other leaders. Uh, so yeah, so even though he grants, he kind of he generally advocates granting greater autonomy to uh, ethnic groups within the empire and uh, addressing their various grievances, especially the Czechs uh, in Bohemia and the uh, South Slavic peoples in Croatia and Bosnia. His feelings towards the Hungarians were less generous. Often described uh, as uh, uh, antipathy. For example, in uh, 1804, he wrote that the Hungarians are all rabble, regardless of whether they are minister or duke, cardinal, cardinal, burgher, peasant, hussar, domestic servant, or revolutionary. He regarded. <laughs> I love the way those are his categories. <laughs> like there are no other categories of Hungarians. He regarded Hungarian nationalism as a revolutionary threat to the Habsburg dynasty and reportedly became angry when officers of the 9th Hussars Regiment, which he commanded, spoke Hungarian in his presence, despite the fact that it was the official regimental language. So it was like, it was a Hungarian regiment. And he was like, got angry whenever they spoke Hungarian. <laughs> He's like, what? Why are you guys all speaking Hungarian? He further regarded the Hungarian branch of the dual monarchy's army uh, as an unreliable and potentially threatening force within the empire, complaining that the Hungarians' failure to provide funds for the joint army and opposing the formation of artillery units within the Hungarian forces, lest they use them against his army. So, I mean... <clears throat> so they all have their own, like, armies? Uh, only Austria and Hung- Hungary. Oh, okay. That's the dual yeah. kind of like the two countries within like the dual. But surely, monarchy. like they're one army, no? Or uh, not? Well, they kind of like have different kind of like chains of command, I suppose, and they're kind of okay. separate, but they still have to like find the same flight. So, like the Hungarian, Aust- like those two armies fought on the same side during World War One, and was just yeah. known as the Austro-Hungarian like army. But um, but yeah, there was kind of a certain amount of autonomy, and that kind of like level of autonomy freaked France out. So yeah, his his plan would mean like if it created like the federal states, he would have just taken the uh, Hungarian army back into the yeah. into the main army. Since yeah. that was the and then one it would have been like control. centralized, like you know, yeah, completely. <clears throat> so but yeah, it's weird because though in the so he's kind of saying like um, he wanted to create this like United States style mm-hmm. kind of empire with Austria at the centre. Yeah. But in America, there isn't, like, one state that's, like... I mean, you could say that Washington, D.C., not the state Washington, but Washington, D.C., is, like, the centre, but there's not one state that's, like, kind of in charge of all the other states. No, that's true. But, I mean, like, I guess the Austrian government would have, like, acted as the federal government. So, like, Austria would have, like, all the kind of, like, different states would have had, like, a lot of autonomy, except for, like, in defence stuff, and then the Austrian state would have had their own rules as well. But when it came to the army, that would have just been commanded from the centre. Yeah. Which I, I guess would have had, like... That's op- what people had a problem with. Of, yeah. They probably, like, had officers from, like, other, like, places as well, but, like, yeah, the, the main... Yeah, the highest-ranking officers would undoubtedly have been... Austrian. Like, Germany and Austrians, yeah. German yeah. Austrians. Uh, so yeah, I mean, like, say so one of the other criticisms that historians have kind of like, leveled against him was like this was just a way of hobbling the Hungarians. Yeah, yeah. So basically, he's seen this kind of like internal conflict with Hungary as having weakened Austria. He was uh, reported to have been disappointed when Austria-Hungary failed to act as a great power, such as during the Boxer Rebellion in uh, 1900. Yeah. So like in China. So other nice nations, including uh, in his description, dwarf states like Belgium and Portugal had sent troops oh there. Well, the uh, the Austrians hadn't. So he kind of like, he was pretty annoyed about that. I'm not really liking this guy very much. No, he's kind of a dick, really. Despite these kind <laughs> also, of like... He's very various... like uneducated, right? Like... Yeah, I mean like... He's just throwing his little... Well, he's boy kind of, boots around he's kind of like I mean like he understands that like there are certain kind of like diplomatic uh, routes he has to take in order to like maintain like the uh, 
the Empire. So he's kind of shrewd, but he's also like he's clearly a dick and he's not doing it because <laughs> he's nice. Like he's doing it to main like yeah. to keep keep power. Um He also advocated a cautious approach towards Serbia repeatedly, um locking horns with uh, Franz Con- Conrad, um Vienna's hardline chief of the general staff, warning that harsh treatment of Serbia would bring Austria-Hungary into open conflict with Russia and would uh, lead to the ruin of both empires. So pretty prescient in that way. Yeah, wonder if that happened. Well, let's see. (laughs) Um, So yeah, it could be argued that the assassination of Franz Ferdinand uh, was something of a mistake. Unlike the current emperor, the uh, future leader had plans to give the rarest people of the empire their own federal estates much greater power and autonomy and self-respect. So, you know, what was there not to like? The problem was this went entirely against the dreams of certain Serbian nationalists. Austro-Hungarian forces had occupied Bosnia and Herzegovina. Go for that one. <laughs> yeah, the only reason I know how to pronounce that is because of Eurovision. <laughs> <laughs> Thank oh, you, Eurovision. So this was a Serb majority area. Uh, They'd occupied this in August 1878. So the monarchy just basically um, eventually annexed uh, the the area into the Austro-Hungarian Empire in October... uh, October... October. (laughs) October 1908. Uh, So although Ferdinand believed that Serbs were... In his words, pigs, thieves, murderers, and scoundrels, he had opposed the agonization in fear that it would make an already turbulent political situation even worse. And it did. The annexation enraged <laughs> a, did, great, did. <laughs> a great number of serves. So, as Franz Joseph's heir, Franz Ferdinand had been made Inspector General of the Army... Oh, such. another general. Uh, no, Last week we were you know. talking about the, the <laughs> Witchfinder general. And then literally earlier this week I was listening to um, uh, Today in Focus. Yeah. And they were talking about the election in America. Yeah. And they mentioned the American postmaster general. I love that. What is a postmaster general? That's such an he's amazing like position. The guy, from what I understand from the podcast, he's kind of the guy that that coordinates, um, like the mail ballots for the okay then for the election, and that like he was saying like Trump's postmaster general. So I think Trump appointed this postmaster oh general. So I don't know anything about him apart from the fact that he's the postmaster general. But like I think he coordinates like getting all the the mailed in ballots. Because I've always wondered, like, does mail need a general? Do you need a general for just mail? I mean, sometimes, you know, important mail mail coming. So, yeah, he he was sent to Sarajevo in June 1914 to inspect the Imperial Armed Forces in Bosnia and... Herzegovina. That's the place. (laughs) (laughs) So, in... So yeah, basically, so Franz and his wife Sophie accepted the invitation and set off to the capital. Not not normally allowed to go there, but annoyingly, this is the one she picked to go wow. along. Sophia, Sophie, Sophia, Sophie. I think so. Sophie. Probably Sophia, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Sophie, what are you doing? So stay but- home. <laughs> Always stay home. I mean, this is also after he had already been informed of terrorist activity conducted by the various nationalist organisations like in the area. But he totally ignored the warnings uh, and just headed on down. So on the morning of June 28th, 1914, the royal couple arrived by train and a six-car motorcade drove them to the city hall for an official reception. So the Archduke and his wife were in the second car with the top rolled back in order to give the crowds a good view. Because, you know, the, the crowds in the area, you know, in an area that 
clearly hated them, really wanted Yeah, really wanted them. them to get a good like view of their heads, you know, yeah, yeah. so you could just you know. see. And I think most, well, maybe not most people, a lot of people have seen, you know, the famous photographs of them with the top rolled down. Yeah, yeah. And like, yeah, it's like, oh, what are you doing? Even though, even if they had put it up, though, it's like a cloth... Yeah, you know, you know, it's not gonna hold off bullets. No, oh, actually, oh, we'll come to that later anyway. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So at ten past ten a.m., the motor card passed Central Police Station. At that time, oh my god, I don't know how to say his name. Ned Jelko Cab Cabranovich Cabranovich Ned Cabranovich. Anyway, held a hand grenade to the Archduke's car. Uh, the driver accelerated when he saw the flying object and the bomb exploded underneath the wheel of the car behind, injuring two of its occupants, uh, along with the, just a dozen spectators. Just some, like, collateral damage there. <clears throat> uh, on the route back to the palace, the Archduke's driver took a wrong turn uh, into a side street where 19-year-old nationalist Gabriello Princip was waiting. As the car backed up, Prince had approached and fired his gun, striking Sophie in the abdomen and the Archduke in the neck. As reported by Count Harak, Franz Ferdinand's last words were, Sophie, Sophie, don't die. Live for our children. Followed by six or seven utterances of, it is nothing, in response to Harak's inquiry as to Franz Ferdinand's injury. These utterances were followed by violent choking sounds caused by hemorrhage. Wow, so yeah. how many children did they have, do you know? Sorry? They had... How many children did they have? I'm not sure, you know? actually. I probably should look that but up. But they had at least one. Yeah, they had some. They probably had a lot. I mean, that's what the royals did, isn't it? Isn't it? Basically? Yeah, They just bred like cattle. But then none of those children were going to be heirs, were they? So, no. You know, it didn't really matter. <laughs> it didn't really matter. <laughs> well, now they're, like, parentless, but, you know... <laughs> I'm like, you know what I mean? Like, in the world of yeah, monarchy, yeah, yeah, you need to have children to create heirs. Whereas, shut up! <laughs> Leave me alone. Anyway, go on. So the imperial couple were dead by 11.30am on the 28th of June, 1914. Sophie was dead on arrival at the governor's residence. Franz Ferdinand died 10 minutes later. Oh. So that's it. That's the end. However, this could have been different had he worn his silk bulletproof vest. Why was he not wearing his bulletproof vest? I don't know. What an idiot. If he you've got a bulletproof vest... Oh. But, but it's bl- amazing. Bl- it's a silk... It's just made of silk. And there was a whole documentary on, like, whether it worked. And, like, apparently it would have. Like, they fired the same pistol that, like, make a pistol that Gabriel Prince had fired at him. And it, do- it didn't pierce. You Hang can make a second, a bull- He was shot in the neck. I know, yeah. But like, it had like a raised collar, so apparently like oh, it would okay. have been enough. Wow. But it's made of silk. Like, it's amazing. You like so, you can create something that's bulletproof from just are silk. You, are you in the school of thought that if Franz Ferdinand hadn't been shot, there wouldn't have been a first world war? Uh, I, no, there probably... There still would have been, but it would have been later and something else would have set it off. Yeah, but it wouldn't have been so just, sudden. Um, a catalyst, wasn't it? It was yeah, like yeah. the final nail in the coffin of all sorts of stuff that was happening. Yeah. Um, so, in the aftermath, some kind of like quite interesting things happened. So, the Austro-Hungarian authorities were able to arrest and prosecute kind of like everyone behind it, like all the Sarajevo like assassins, except for one guy who managed to escape from Montenegro. Um, I, I, I mean, like, I've got his name here, but I'm not even going to try and pronounce it. Cause <laughs> what I a guy. I haven't got a clue. Um, so, uh, so, yeah, so just saying, like, all the assassins, along with all the agents and peasants who had assisted them on the way. So the majority of the trends were charged with conspiracy to commit high treason involving... Um, a, a, alongside kind of like a official circles uh, in the kingdom of Serbia. So conspiracy to commit high treason in the uh, in the Austro-Hungarian Empire carried a maximum sentence of death, um, which, you know, the, the conspiracy to commit simple murder did not. I mean, that's kind of like standard for the time, bit of death sentence for treason. 
the trial was held from the 12th to the 23rd of October. Um, so, kind of like... So, the sentences were announced on the 28th of October. Uh, oddly, while 16 were prosecuted, only five were sentenced to death. These did not include Princip, who only got 20 years. I mean, like, for a country that... That's quite confusing. Yeah, for, like, like put so much on their monarchy. For, like, Habsburgs, like, an unbelievably kind of, like, arrogant royal family. They let the guy that shot the heir off, which is 20 years. Yeah, and he was the one that literally shot him. Yeah, it's really strange. That is really strange. Also, like, it's not as if, like, Princip's, like, kind of, like, uh, expressed any contrition. Like, at his trial, he stated, I am a Yugoslav nationalist aiming for the unification of all Yugoslavs, and I do not care what form of state, but it must be freed from Austria. So, like, he was pretty happy with what he did. And they, uh, they let him out. I mean, like, he did die in the end. He died on the 28th of April, 1918, from tuberculosis, exacerbated by the poor prison conditions. Um... Which had apparently already caused him to lose his right arm. So, I mean, like, he had a pretty shit time of it in prison, but still. Yeah, I mean, like... he, you know, he didn't exactly get off scot free. Yeah. But it's kind of interesting they didn't make a. They didn't make, like, a, uh, a an example of him. Uh, yeah, I wonder of, why. I'm going to look the, into that. <laughs> of the five death sentences, two were later commu- uh, commuted to prison sentences uh, one of 20 years and one of life. Yeah, so and, I, and one of those uh, prison sentences was commuted due to like a high-ranking uh, Austrian official, like a, a member of um, Franz Josef's court, like uh, persuading him to do so. So I don't know what was going on there. It's really strange. There was obviously something happening. Yeah. So, which may it kind of suggests there was possibly like an inside job in a way. Maybe or maybe, maybe like yeah. a false flag kind of thing. Maybe they kind of just didn't like him anyway, so they were like, eh, whatever. Yeah, maybe well, this is too, at least his liberalising ways are gone um, now. So did Franz Joseph <clears throat> have time to name another heir, or? Um, really. I mean, I guess it would have been Otto. It's not going to happen. Yeah, exactly. Oh yeah, yeah, you're right. No, it would have been Otto, the younger brother of yeah. Franz. Uh, so yeah, so. A lot's always made of kind of like the Black Hand Society and like the part they played, but like Prince was not actually a member of the Black Hand Society. Like I was taught, I think, in my history classes, he was a member of Young Bosnia, who had like links to the Black Hand Society, but he was not a member. Oh, interesting. But yeah, it's, but they did have like yeah, so, so but Young Beards Bosnia did have like uh, quite close ties to the uh, to the Black Hand Society. So this was a secret military society. Um, Formed by uh, like army officers, like in from the kingdom of Serbia, so like it <clears throat> possibly had some kind of like official like links to the Serbian state. Um, but it is them who had armed the the assassins uh, from the uh, from Young Bosnia. They had handed them apparently four semi-automatic pistols, cyanide capsules in case they were captured. Didn't use them though, apparently. <laughs> and and the grenade that they threw, um, so yeah, so it was basically them that was kind of like behind it, and as they like they were the puppet masters, they just got like this bunch of like impetuous like youngsters to do their dirty work for them, mm. which kind of like sucks, I think. Um, so yeah, to this day, although they kind of like have links to like the Serbian government, it still remains unclear to this day whether the Serbian government did actually participate in the scheme. But regardless, the Austrians blamed the Serbian government and invaded, as we know, which uh, which caused the uh, outbreak of World War One. That whole kind of like uh, domino effect, the various alliances, all bundled on in, and uh, took out yeah. the various frustrations on each other. Yeah, yeah, and, and then cost millions of people died, millions of lives for no reason over four <laughs> years, and yeah tore up relations between yeah. scientific worlds, for example, um, and all sorts of madness stuff. Yeah. It was a, basically a, it was a completely pointless dynastic war with, uh, with modern weapons. Insane that it happened. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's the first war, you like, you know, that had those modern weapons, really. Yeah. I mean, you had, um, like, the Boer War, 
was the closest war to it, like um, chronologically, right? Yeah. There's nothing in between the Boer War and the First World War. Yeah. No. So, but that still, that wasn't modern at all. No. <clears throat> and also, like, like, there was kind of like a. I mean, like, it's a messy one, the Boer War. I mean, like, it's still just. It was two just mad, wasn't it? We were so powers. rubbish. How rubbish were we? Yeah. It was, it was two different, like, colonial, like, forces fighting each other over someone else, like, another group of people's land. So it was, like, terrible. Yeah. But, I mean, like, like, like... Excuse me, it's actually our land. But I guess it was kind of, like... It was, like, in some ways, kind of, like, personal for, like, the Boers. But World War One was just... Oh, it's, just totally, it's just dynastic. It's just different, kind of, like, monarchies, like... Getting annoyed with each other. I mean, like, I guess there was kind of like certain amounts of like certain amount of like nationalism stuff behind it. But I mean, like, it wasn't an ideological war by any kind of a stretch of the imagination. No, it was like I heard this really. Um, I can't remember the exact stat, but like the amount of countries that went into the war, the amount of countries that came out, it created like so many countries yeah well it just destroyed those empires didn't it All yeah those exactly basically like into, to grow their own empires shattered i mean yeah it created like yugoslavia yeah. which then just w- created its own whole host of problems like <laughs> yugoslavia just basically just inherited all the problems of like the austro-hungarian <laughs> empire okay you can have your own country but you've got to take all the <laughs> <Yeah>. problems <laughs> It's kind of weird that they that, that happens. Just like uh, so, all these old groups like kind of wanted their own countries, and we're like, okay, then you you're now free from the Austro-Hungarian Empire. Yeah, but you have to be one country. Oh, okay. Yeah, just ruled it's, by it's like weird, the majority it? group. Like, yeah, which is I mean, like at some point I'm gonna do. I've been kind of like learning about the uh, yeah that, that book about the Italians. So like, the it's got like a whole like section on the Italian. Um, occupation of like their part of yugoslavia and it just really goes down into like the internal politics of yugoslavia and how insane like like it all was at the time like chetniks versus kind of like uh i can't the ustats whoever like the uh the croatian groups and then like tito's like partisans it's just mad like <clears throat> yeah Madness. so much disunity but at some point i'm gonna have to find a person to do in order to kind of like talk about all of that but yeah, maybe that's the, the, the nature of the podcast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you can't just say, "Have you ever heard of Yugoslavia?" Um, but, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, what are you having for dinner? I don't know. Actually, I need to pick. We had like a, a Tesco delivery today. Oh the, wow! Uh, I love the, a a big shop delivery. Wow! I mean, like that's but Charlotte sorted it out. And we got like it was like the most useless delivery we've ever had. Like. I'm gonna to have to go out to buy food because we don't we don't get everything we needed to make any kind of meal. Wow, <laughs> is that because they did too many like um, when they sw- switch things, or is it just because no, you ordered rubbish stuff? We just ordered terrible. We just did a terrible order. There was lots of ble- like she just ordered lots of. I mean, like we got things like bleach and stuff as well. So that's quite good because we'll never buy that when we go out. But I mean, like no vegetables, zero vegetables. So. I, I, I don't actually really like buying vegetables in a big shop because no, I prefer buying them from grocers as opposed to from like Sainsbury's. Yeah, I guess so. It's just annoying. I, I mean, like, yeah, it just means I have to go out. I have to go out into the world. <laughs> into the, outside the world. world. I went for a run in between work and this. So I like doing that. Running's fine, but going to the shops. I mean, it's just a ball ache. <laughs> Um, we are having uh, these vegan burgers I make. They're like mushrooms, red onions, um, kind of like lentils, like mixed together in this burger Very form. nice. Um, and it's a recipe from the YouTube Pick Up Limes, which if you are a vegan listening to this, you should go and check out Pick Up Limes. If you don't know them, blog slash YouTube, all free recipes and it's just amazing. Everything they make is so delicious and vegan. So, mm. yeah. And you obviously, if you want to, what we do, because I'm a veggie, not vegan, I just, like, add cheese. 
<laughs> Basically, <laughs> cheese and makes make everything thing better. And then add cheese, <laughs> or you can like you know add. So like one of the recipes I make is a stir fry where these like imitation meat. Instead, if you want, you're a meat eater. You can take the recipe and you can make, use the actual meat instead. So you know, go ahead, adapt at will. Ah, okay, check that out. And when you come over next weekend, um, you can look at all my amazing cookbooks, which are now on display, which is really nice, in my non-fiction section. (laughs) I have a section. You have a non-fiction section. I do. I have a non-fiction section. Finally, I have two bookshelves. Um, So that's very exciting. Our bookshelf is a mess. It's It's horrendous. Yeah, we just don't have enough space. It's just we're starting to like pile things on top. Yeah. Oh no, there are piles. Don't worry. Like it's looking awful. So ridiculous. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I need the fiction bookshelf is. (laughs) It's like done athletically, but there are like ones vertical and ones horizontal, and ones vertical and horizontal, so you can kind of see all the names. But it's it's just a mess. I've got a problem, Dan. It's a book buying problem. This is why I switched to just doing Kindle. It's really annoying because I wanted the book I'm reading at the moment, the one about like uh, Italy. Like it has a really nice cover. So I really wanted it. Yeah, well, you can still buy those covers as like a a treat for yourself. But you need to like, I need to limit to just treat books. Or you need to like start taking books to trash shops. Um, Oh, but it's so hard to give them up. I can't do it. But then other people will get to love them and read them. That's true. So By I'm, no I'm, I'm hold- saying this, but I don't actually practice what I preach. I just I like keep everything. So I can fill my future library when I have it after winning the lottery, which I'm obviously going to do. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> um, well, one thing you can do to learn more about history without buying history books is just going to start a podcast and you can share it with your friends. And if you want to, you can subscribe and rate us and we would really appreciate it yes we would and also if you just want to kind of like listen to like our inane ramblings you can like tip type ramblings run you'll listen to the ramblings now anyway but <laughs> the other type of ramblings. Like, you can follow us on social media <laughs> uh on twitter and instagram at have you ever pod yes and we will see you next time bye, bye.